You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. If you're listening to us live, the number 754-227-3647. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Lady Diagnosis when she's here and at Dr. Scott WM if he's ever going to show up again. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. I guess I'm speaking in the royal we in the sense that we are not your medical providers. Hey, uh, don't forget uh, to check out stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. Really does make a huge difference. And with the holidays coming up, what a better time to go to uh, stuff.drsteve and get some uh, internet shopping done through electronic means. And uh, if you don't want any of the things that are on that page, there's a click through to Amazon. And uh, clicking through to Amazon actually does make a difference. So thank you for doing that. Uh, TweakedAudio.com. Offer code FLUID for 33% off the best earbuds for the price. Perfect stocking stuffers. <laughs> it's, it's September. I'm, I'm doing the whole Walmart shtick. I'm, it's, I'm not really pushing holiday gifts. Although if you're an early bird, uh, getting 33% off uh, the best earbuds, for the price on the market or the best customer service anywhere, check out tweakedaudio.com. Uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Got some herbal malarkey on there, but also the greatest nasal spray ever made. Dr. Scott's uh, uh, peppermint nasal rinse. It actually is is great. It's great. And uh, I am a fan. GVAC was a fan of... Um, uh, fatigue reprieve. So there you go. I mean, there's some reasonable people like Dr. Scott's crazy stuff. So give it a try. Go to simplyherbals.net. And he's goofy. He, <laughs> he loves being part of this show, maybe even more than I do. I don't know. I guess that's not true. But um, he will, uh, if you order something and say you're a weird medicine listener, he always throws some chotki in there. And sometimes it's just this horrible cartoon that that we signed a long time ago. But um, 
Uh, I will give him some pens and shit to throw in there. Um, but check him out and just tell him Dr. Steve sent you, simplyherbals.net. Uh, if you'd like to attain your ideal body weight, as I have, go to Noom, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. That's Noom dot drsteve.com. And you'll get uh, two weeks free so you can try it out. If it's not for you, just don't do it. And uh, absolutely no obligation. And uh, but if you do do it, it <laughs> I say do do. If you do do it, it'll be um, less than Weight Watchers, and you only have to do it for three months instead of for the rest of your life. And there's no points or anything. So check it out at noom.drsteve.com. And uh, if you would like archives of the show, go to premium.drsteve.com for a buck ninety nine. Um, you can uh, get access to all the shows on the uh, Riotcast network that are behind the paywall. And uh, if you use offer code FLUID, I think that's still working. You get half off of that, so it's like a dollar. And uh, uh, you can, if you're really industrious, you can get on there and just download them all and, um, and then cancel. And you got all these shows for a buck ninety nine. if you're too lazy to do that. You can uh, just get the app, the Weird Medicine app, at the App Store or at uh, Google Play. And uh, you can log in with your Buck 99, and then you have access to everything. Uh, uh, alternately, you can send in, uh, uh, go to uh, weirdmedicine.com or drsteve.com, and there's a link on there, and you can get uh, all the shows on a 32-gig uh, thumb drive and there's only 16 gigs of shows so you get 16 gigs free uh, for $30 so uh, let me know and as a matter of fact I've got somebody that sent one of those in and I forgot to do it I'll do it right now anyway uh, so thank you for being here I think we've uh, uh, I don't have any corrections from last time sometimes I say stupid things so uh, let's see what kind of show we got today um, the vaping uh, crisis um, go uh, continues. This is from Washington Post. Health officials in California confirmed another patient has died of a vaping-related illness. At least the seventh reported death associated with national outbreak of serious lung diseases related to vaping or using e-cigarettes. Now, this one is interesting. So, now people in the emergency rooms and the medical examiners are familiar with this vaping situation. So uh, read this and just see see what you think. An unnamed Tulare County man died of, quote, complications regarding to the use of e-cigarettes, unquote, according to the Ho County Health and Human Services Agency. The 40-year-old had been in the hospital for several weeks before his death, said the department spokeswoman. He had a history of vaping. The Winslow said officials were still investigating what products he used. Though his death certificate would state he died due to vaping, when, uh, the um, spokesperson said the man also had, quote, some complicating illnesses that she could not disclose to the Post. A uh, family member said the man died on Saturday. The man had been using both nicotine e-cigarettes and THC vape products. Contrary to what the health department spokeswoman said, the man became ill only two days before he died. And he drove himself to the hospital. They put him on a breathing machine because he was unable to breathe, the family member said. The doctor told family members the death was due to vaping. 
Family gathered vaping products from the man's home in his car. One product they found in his car was a black box with gold lettering. And I don't want to give the brand because I don't want to... Um, I, I don't know if that had anything to do with this. The death was announced Monday, the same day Governor Gavin Newsom took executive action to crack down on e-cigarette use in California, uh, where at least one other vaping-related fatality has been reported in Los Angeles County. Health officials in Tulare County did not disclose the patient's age or the type of e-cigarette product this patient had used. So far, the county has had three reports of pulmonary illnesses linked to vaping. So <clears throat> just to start from this, this guy used vapes. He had some other complicating illness. You know, it could have been emphysema or he could have had pneumonia or had a myocardial infarction. Who knows? So um, uh, they, before an autopsy is done, you just go in. Okay, so somebody dies and you go in their car and you find a vape pen. You go, aha, aha. You know, that's um, your literally leaping you know that's a literal leap in in uh logic and uh until they do an autopsy that shows that there was some lung damage that they can only attribute to say vitamin e acetate or vitamin d whatever the hell it is um uh or one of the oils or some of these weird essential oils that people are putting in here and then inhaling into their lungs um it's not a um uh i, I don't think this is newsworthy it's tragic. 40-year-old guy died. Don't get me wrong. But to leap to the conclusion that it was vape-related just because there were vape pens in his car, it may be. But uh, we don't have any real evidence of that other than he vaped. And who, you know, let's ask. Uh, I still, and I apologize, I haven't changed the name of my um, Amazon device in here yet. So I'm going to use the A word. I'm just letting you know. Um, Alexa, how many people vape in the United States? Oh, well, go fuck yourself too. She, Alexa. Oh, well, she's she's not functioning. Okay, let me let me do it a different way then, much less interesting way. How many people vape in the U.S.? Little show prep wouldn't have hurt. Okay, uh, the number of vapors has been increasing rapidly from about 7 million in 2011 to 41 million in 2018. Okay, so that gives us a number we can work with. 41 million have vaped. Uh, there have been seven fatalities. So let's see if I can do it this way. Oh, come on. You know, everything is... What is 7 divided by 41 million? What is seven divided by 41 million? Goodness. It's about 1.7073 times 10 to the negative seventh power. Holy moly. Multiply that times 100. The answer is about 1.7073 times 10 to the negative fifth power. <laughs> so that's the percentage. Um, of people who have died from even if they are vaping, okay? 
Uh, now, let's find the number of people that have been harmed, though. Um, California case came a week after the death of a Kansas resident, which was believed to be the sixth such death nationwide. Health officials in Indiana, Illinois, Oregon, and Minnesota have also reported fatalities from sudden-onset illnesses that officials linked to vaping. Now, even if there's a, a 1 in 10 billion chance, I'm not going to do it. And we still don't know. This is the short-term effects. We still don't know the long-term effects. But I'm going to calculate the uh, number needed to harm here in just a second. At least 380 cases of lung illnesses have been reported, according to the last available tally from the Centers of Disease Control. Okay, so 380 cases of lung-related illness. So really, we can just divide the total number of cases by... Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the total number of people who vape divided by the number of cases to give the number of people that need to vape before we get one case. So let's do that. Um, let's see. What is 41 million divided by 380? It's about 107,894.7368. Okay, so about um, 100, right now, 100,000 plus or minus people would have to vape before you got one case of a serious illness. That's still a lot of illnesses, 380 illnesses. It's not an epidemic. They can call it an outbreak. And we don't know, and this is what I've always said before these kind of acute cases came up, because this has got to be something something different. They've changed a process or someone in some factory has changed something because people have been vaping for uh, quite some time now. And I remember way back in the day, R.J. Reynolds was going to come up with an electronic cigarette and the FDA said, no, then, you know, you can't market something that's, quote, a safer cigarette. It's just like you can't put vitamins in wine, in cheap wine to keep the, uh, 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 alcoholics from developing Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome. Don't worry about what that is, but it's it's vitamin related, because oh now then you can market it as saying it's good for you. You know, so it's really counterintuitive. In the same way that we can prevent HIV by giving people needles so that they're not sharing needles, but oh no, you're encouraging drug abuse. No, we're trying to. So the so your argument is. If we give people needles, we're going to encourage drug abuse. But your answer is to just let people keep getting uh, viruses, you know, bloodborne viruses, uh, because they're going, they're sharing needles because they're in short supply. That's just an asinine answer to this. Obviously, needle programs—it's not the only answer uh, to our nation's drug abuse problem, but it is. A, um, something that we can do to decrease the harm that's being done by our nation's drug abuse problem while we're working on, uh, you know, abstinence and um, uh, catching people before they start and then treatment programs after they start. And don't even get me started with this BS um, with um, uh, the, the poor chronic pain patients who are particularly in a certain federal program that are being uh, denied significant amounts of uh, pain medication. Uh, uh, I, I can't even talk about the case that I'm thinking about because uh, it's something that we're, uh, <clears throat> may go 
uh, wider with, but it's, um, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the answers to questions that we come up with are just nonsensical and asinine. Oh, no, let's not vaccinate 12-year-old girls for HPV because somehow we're encouraging them to have sex because now they don't have the fear of getting HPV and cervical cancer. Go F yourself. We're doing it at 12 to try to catch them before they have sex so that later on when they do and they're exposed to HPV, which a significant, um, well, let's, let's just ask Siri that one. It's more fun to do this. I know the answer, but it's more fun to hear her say it. What is the prevalence of HPV in the United States? Uh-oh. Well, okay. Well, that's not the problem. In 2017, oh. the total number of people diagnosed with viral warts in the United States was about 6.17 million people. Hmm. So they're saying, uh, okay, that's just for warts. Um uh, they're saying, uh, you know, one in 139 persons. That's not, that's not right. It's, it's higher than that. But anyway, um, and herpes is a significant fraction as well. So, you know, the odds are if you have more than one sexual partner and they have had more than one sexual partner, that um, you're, you will eventually be exposed to HPV. And if we can just knock out the the varieties that cause cancer what's the harm in that there's, there's no harm there's nothing but benefit and we're already starting to see a decrease in the number of precancerous lesions in uh in women who are getting their pap smears done so that's awesome well, anyway all right so um the CDC cautions the health experts do not yet know the cause of these illnesses and have not isolated a single e-cigarette product as the underlying culprit. The agency said there's been no evidence of a common infectious cause, because that would be, you know, if there was one uh, factory that was producing some oil and it had some fungus in it or something like that, that would be interesting and easy to uh, to fix. But uh, yeah, th this, uh, this current outbreak is something, somebody's doing something different, and that's where the epidemiologists come in. Epidemiologists are people that look at the spread of disease and try, they're sort of uh, uh, detectives. The first epidemiologist was a uh, physician in London who figured out a cholera outbreak was coming from a single uh, well in the uh, middle of uh, London, which is pretty cool. That was the uh, birth of it, modern epidemiology. Um, Therefore, they suspect that a form of chemical exposure has made the patients ill. Officials have rushed to respond to a sudden rash of respiratory illnesses. Among otherwise healthy people have used e-cigarettes or other vaping products. Uh, last week, uh, the president announced that his administration would move to ban most e-cigarettes. Okay, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Look. You all who've listened to this show know I am not a fan of vaping, right? I make fun of these people with these giant clouds of stuff that they're tooting into their lungs. Um, we know that the long-term effects are um, unknown. But um, let's, let's just ask Siri this question. How many people smoke cigarettes in the United States? The answer is 23.9%. Damn, you all. Cut the shit. Oh, one in four are still smoking? 
Wow. Okay, females is down. Uh, they're down to 21.5. Okay, so um, let's see. What's the population of the United States? Sorry. Okay, 327 million. As of 2018, the population of United States of America was 327,167,434. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, okay, so... What is 24% of 327 million? It's 78,480,000. Okay, so that's how many people are currently smoking in the United States. Uh, let's see. Um, let's just do, okay. What is the prevalence of lung cancer in smokers? Here's what I found. Ugh. Okay, that's not good. Um, let's just do for the last year, okay? How many lung cancer deaths have there been in the last year? We're not even looking at... Here's what I found. Time. Oh, for God's sake. All right. Let me see. How common is lung cancer? Okay, so there's 228,000 new cases of lung cancer. That's a, and they're about equal between men and women, and about 142,000 deaths from lung cancer. So, without even doing the math, which do you think is more of a threat to society? In the uh, cigarettes, automobiles, or vape pens? Now, it may turn out vape pens are a very serious threat to society if we find out that all these millions of people end up with some sort of permanent scarring of their lungs way down the road. That's down the road. Um, um, I, I do think they should be manufactured under uh, uh, FDA um, auspices and using pro chemicals or products that are known to be safe even and in the combinations that they're given if we're going to do this. <clears throat> but to just move to ban this um, it doesn't seem like the right answer either. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. I think that uh, vaping is uh, goofy and it may be dangerous. Obviously, there is something uh, going on when you've got 380 people and the one common denominator amongst all of them with this particular syndrome are vape pens. So let's get the epidemiologists on it. They're on it. CDC's on it. They will find out what's causing this. And then if it's something not um, characteristic of the of vaping, in other words, if it's something you can change, you can just swap out this oil for a different one, then, you know, go for it. And uh, make them safe because obviously, well, I think it's obvious. It may not be. Vaping has a potential to be much safer than cigarettes in the sense that you're not inhaling products of combustion. And we got to show that the things that they are inhaling are less dangerous than the products of combustion. In other words, uh, carbon monoxide and tar and all the other stuff that you get when you uh, when you inhale smoke, and because those are the things that are carcinogenic. The nicotine it contributes to heart disease. 
Um, but you know, you can ratchet down if you if you've got a, just a solution, you can ratchet down the nicotine to any number you want, or just put none in. So uh, we will see. But uh, I'm uh, concerned about the reporting of this. I'm concerned about some of the knee jerk reactions, only in the sense that they're not scientific. I'm not a fan of vaping. Uh, okay, I've said that about twenty times, so you already know that. But anyway, all right. Um, oh, I had another interesting. Um, interesting news report. Researchers studying the process of decomposition in a body after death from natural causes found that without, oh wait, let me do this. Without, without any external assistance, human remains can change their position. Ooh, scary kids. This discovery has important implications for forensic science, you think? Often forensic science, scientists will assume that the position in which they find a dead body is the one the person was in the time of death. Unless, that is, there is evidence that external factors such as scavengers or a perpetrator may have altered it. However, new research led by Alison Wilson in Australia now suggests human bodies can actually be somewhat restless after death. Which, um, by the way, there has been evidence for years that um, uh, the whole vampire myth... Uh, came from the natural process of decomposition because they bury somebody, and then if they dug them up later, they would find, oh, their, oh, oh wait, oh, their fingernails grew after their demise, and what it really is is the uh, they're not growing, so growth of the fingernail and the nail bed stops. It does not continue. What happens though, is that as you decompose, the tissue around the nail shrinks and retracts, giving the illusion that the nails have um, have um, uh, grown, okay? So if the cuticle and the tissue around it loses its fat and the fluid in it and uh, retracts, that will make the nail look like it's moving forward. So that's that. Also, uh, these ideas of people being buried alive when they open them up and then they're like in a different position than they put them in. Oh, we must have buried this person alive. Or they're out. Oh, shit. <laughs> they are a vampire. That they, that they were in there, in you know, moving around and uh, growing their fingernails and their teeth. Teeth will do the same thing. The gums will retract and make it look like the teeth are growing. So... Uh, this discovery, uh, which they've not yet reported in a paper they've published, so uh, I always love these pre-publication, pre-peer review uh, articles in the in the just regular journalism, um, is linked to a larger product concerning a project concerning the use of time-lapse imaging techniques to estimate the time since death. This latter project's findings appear in Forensic Science International: colon, Synergy. Wow, that's an awesome um, title for a, a, a or a, for a medical journal talking about looking at dead bodies. I I was once a medical examiner when I lived in Vermont, and I got the um, Journal of the Medical Examiners Society, whatever, and <laughs> they would have interesting articles in there about, you know, toxicology and stuff. But there was always two or three articles about the most horrendous deaths that they could 
that they could come up with. There was pictures of people who had been run over by 18-wheelers, and it just showed, you know, their chest with this big divot. Um, you know, it's like a normal chest, and then just this big depression where the wheel was, and they'll show pictures like that. Or they had uh, a guy that gave himself a concrete enema and died from that, because I don't know if you're aware of this, those of you who have ever worked with concrete know that it is an exothermic reaction, meaning that when you mix those things up with water and as it starts to harden, it gives off heat. So if you give yourself a concrete enema, it will cook you from the inside. And that guy died. Uh, there was another person, they had uh, uh, images of people who had died by autoerotic asphyxiation with the Hansen video still on the thing. And a lot, a couple of them, uh, the most notable one I remember was a guy um, had given himself a champagne enema and then got alcohol toxicology, or um, it, sorry, uh, alcohol intoxication and um, uh, was doing autoerotic asphyxiation, which if you don't know, they strangled themselves. And what this guy was doing, he didn't have a device. He just had a noose and he would lean against it while he masturbated watching these videos and he passed out. And that was the end of that. So, and they love this stuff. I mean, it's all, it's all tragic, no question about it. But uh, I, I don't want to say they love it. They revel in it. You know, here's another just horrendous death that we investigated. Well, anyway, so they love doing this stuff. Uh, for the research, the investigators had access uh, to a donated human body, a mature male who died of natural causes. The researchers recorded the body's full decomposition within the premises of the Australian facility. Uh, faci God, boy, I'm, I'm having a rough day today. I didn't get any sleep last night. I apologize. The Australian facility for taphonomic experimental research after. Oh, how clever. The only body farm in Australia, there's one in Tennessee, they have a body farm where they just, you can donate your body to that and they'll just plant you in different uh, poses and in different stages of being buried and watch, you know, what bugs eat you at what stage and that kind of stuff. And that has value because if only a dermestid beetle is cleaning up your bones, that's the only bug that's going to be uh, inhabiting your body uh, at, at, you know, say the end stage. And they can kind of look at when they find a body in the wild, they can see what bugs. And if it's just dermestid beetles, well, they can say, well, it's been at least nine months or whatever. You know, I'm just throwing out numbers. But uh, the findings from research projects such as the current one often help forensic scientists develop more accurate ways of determining essential information, including time or place of death at a crime scene. So in this research, the investigators were able to make sure that scavenging animals that might feed on, decay on decaying flesh Mm, delightful, could not reach the body and thus alter its position. Sure, if you're being gnawed on by, you know, a pack of raccoons, uh, they're, they're going to move you around a little bit. The team took photos of the decomposition process of the body over more than 17 months and uh, found that the remains appeared to, mo to move on their own. For instance, while they initially placed the arms alongside the body, at one point, the researchers note, the arms shifted and were flung to one side. Must be ghosts. We think the movements relate to the process of decomposition. Oh, really? Uh, as the body mummifies and ligaments dry out. Yes, of course. Uh, Wilson and colleagues believe that understanding when such shifts are likely to occur during the process of decomposition could help forensic scientists provide more accurate estimates of the time of death. Yeah, sure. If you find a body 
that is in a place where animals could not get to it, uh, then if the arms are flung around, maybe that always happens at uh, two months. Who knows? All right. Very good. Okay. Uh, let's answer some uh, medical questions. Number one thing. Don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you very much, uh, Ronnie B. I couldn't agree more. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. No bigger asshole hey, than me. Steve, I just want to know if uh, the ketogenic diet is the way to go. This is Tim from Iowa. I'm a truck. Okay, for what? Remember, we always talk about it. You know, people say, is vitamin D good? Well, what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to uh, not get rickets? Then vitamin D is awesome. Uh, let me see. Okay, can't answer that. All right, let's let him finish his question. So the the quite it just depends. Driver, so um, pretty active when I'm not driving. Although my job is very sedentary, I did lower my A1C from 8.1 down to 6.2 in about a month. So I just want to. Pop okay, so what he's talking about. He's getting a good applause break there. Uh, he's talking about his hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of. Uh, diabetes control. So when you, uh, I think most people are familiar with hemoglobin. It's the oxygen carrying molecule in red blood cells. And uh, it's also a plant, you know, heme is a plant-based ba um, molecule that they use in impossible burgers. Or is it yeah, impossible burgers to make them bleed? So, um, and I always thought it was kind of gross that they put heme in there, but it is plant-based heme because, you know, nature is very uh, uh, conservative in the sense that if it can use a molecule somewhere, it can use it somewhere else, that it'll use it somewhere else. So, um, so plants have heme and we have heme. And uh, we have hemoglobin, and uh, these are these complexes that also um, uh, have this wonderful property of being able to capture um, oxygen, molecules and then releasing them other places in the body. So uh, the other thing that hemoglobin will do, though, is collect uh, sugar molecules and uh, they'll build up over time because red blood cells last, you know, 90 to 150 days in your bloodstream normally, unless you've got a disease. Uh, so therefore, um, 
the amount of sugar that these hemoglobin molecules will collect will be a, a function of an average blood sugar over a period of time. So uh, the lower the number, the better as far as diabetic control is concerned. So this guy brought his down from, let's, let's back this up. From two in about a month, from 8.1 down to 6.2. Yeah, so he went from really abnormal to being pretty much normal. Uh, by in doing about this. a month. So I just wanted to follow up with you and see if you had any advice for us. Sure. So um, low-carbohydrate diets, particularly for diabetics, are um, a, a way that you can induce diet control. Um, of your diabetes a lot of the time. I'm talking about type 2 diabetics. Type 1 diabetics don't have insulin. Uh, dietary management, you know, is they got to eat the right things, but they really have to, they have to be checking their blood sugars frequently and dosing themselves to keep their blood sugar down. That's why this artificial pancreas is really an important step forward where you have a constant blood sugar monitoring and then constant amount of insulin that's being adjusted based on the uh, peaks and valleys of the uh, blood sugar. So that'll be a, a great advance until we can get real pancreases and uh, do islet cell transplants. Islet cells are the uh, insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. When we can successfully transplant those into a type 1 diabetic and they function, then that'll be a, a, a functional cure for type 1 diabetes, and that's coming. Um, so type 2 diabetes are folks that have um, in loss of insulin sensitivity. A lot of times uh, this is genetic, can be related to weight, but it's really related very often to uh, carbohydrate intake. So if you take in a lot of carbs, you get an insulin spike you're, um, uh, with the glucose spike. And if the insulin spikes, if you're not just tuned up perfectly, if the insulin overshoots, then the, your blood sugar will drop and the body will start to turn down the sensitivity to that um, blood, uh, blood sugar signal because it does, the body doesn't like low blood sugar. It doesn't particularly enjoy high blood sugar, but it really, in the acute phase, really doesn't like low blood sugar because there's not enough energy available uh, to do just the day-to-day -day work of the body. So uh, when you get this low blood sugar situation, the body's response to that is to turn down the sensitivity to that signal until now you're getting these high blood sugar spikes and the body doesn't respond at all. So those people have high insulin levels and they have high blood sugar levels and that's type two diabetes. So um, one thing that you can do is increase your exercise to burn up more sugar, burn out some uh, glycogen and some fat cells and uh, try a low, lower carbohydrate diet. And uh, what that basically does is erase those uh, blood sugar spikes. And when you do that, the body starts to tune itself back up again and turn on the sensitivity to the insulin signal uh, because there aren't these wide variations in blood sugar anymore. And over time, you can actually, uh, some people, not everybody can go off their medication and just uh, stay on a lower carbohydrate diet. Now, there are low-carb diets and there's low-carb diets. You will lose weight if you do this, what I call the hillbilly Atkins diet which is um, what, we, what we see around here with, you know, my relatives is, you know, well, I just eat steak and, uh, and bacon, put mayonnaise and cheese on it. And that you will lose weight 
and your blood sugars will um, uh, normalize on that diet, but it's not a healthy diet. The reason they're losing weight is because they're malnourished. They're missing out on all kinds of macro and micronutrients, and then they wonder why they're shitting bricks uh, with uh, this constipation because they're getting no fiber in their diet. So a proper, I, I'm, I'm a fan of all kinds of different diets. I don't think there's one particular diet that is perfect for humans. Um, vegan diets have their thing and low, but I've seen fat vegans too, eating all those potatoes and pasta and stuff. So um, a low carbohydrate diet with plenty of green leafy vegetables and lean animal protein. Uh, and there are really no bad fats, so, but, uh, but there are good fats. There are some fats are better than others. So using uh, you know, uh, extra virgin olive oil that I like to get at Abingdon Oil Company, a little plug for them, uh, or, or someplace like that that produces you know, the highest quality um, uh, virgin olive oils because you can actually cook with those. A lot of chefs will say, well, you can't cook with the virgin olive oil. And yes, you can if it's produced, you know, the stuff that you get in a big giant can um, is is not going to be as great as some of the stuff that's very carefully prepared. But anyway, um, uh, so olive oil, monounsaturated fats, and uh, polyunsaturated fats like canola oils and things like that are really, those those kinds of fats are actually probably good for you. So in moderation. So lots of green leafy vegetables, lean animal protein, and um, uh yeah, go easy on the on the saturated and trans fats. We've talked about this before. Uh, trans fats bad. Trans everything else, I'm, I'm all in. No, but trans fats are bad. And uh, you know, solid fats in and hydrogenated oils and stuff. You can see that on packaging. If you see hydrogenated vegetable oil, what they're doing is turning perfectly good fats into bad fats by hydrogenating them. What it does, it turns them solid. And uh, th- th- a little bit easier to uh, work with if you're trying to make something that's not just a goopy mess. So anyway, it's good for food texture, not so good for your health. Um, uh, now, Mediterranean diet, you know, I do this Noom thing. And I, what, one of the things I liked about it was they said, look, there's no one right diet. It's whatever diet works for you as long as it's healthy. And they encourage people, you know, try keto, try um, uh, try paleo, try a Mediterranean diet. There's data that shows that it's good. Uh, be a vegan. Uh, there's definitely data that shows that it's good. So, um, you know, just find something that works for you, gets you to your ideal body weight and doesn't make you ill. And uh, it's all about just mitigating risk. All right. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Let me tell you something. Okay. I got this condition around my my extremities. Okay. You know where your knee is and your elbow is? You know that skin there that's on the, yep. you know, your skin, right? Yep. I got this shit that can only be described as like a, like a chicken skin, you yep. know? Yep. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's all bumpy and like it itches yep. and it's dry. Yep. I mean, it's, it's like like a plucked chicken. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got it. It's dry skin dermatitis, and you will get some of these things sometimes around places where. Um, where there's a lot of stretching and twisting, particularly elbows and knees. Right, exactly as you said, as your 
uh, stretching and relaxing those the skin over those areas they can get thickened. Uh, the supermodels look. Supermodels may not always be road scholars. Some of them are, but what they are geniuses and have genius IQs on is um, supermodel stuff. And back in the day, what every supermodel was using on their skin was this stuff called Nivea, N-I-V-E-A. And they would just slather it over their skin uh, to keep their skin smooth and supple. And if it's good enough for them, and that's their business, you know, if their skin starts looking blotchy, at least now with Photoshop, you can do something about it. But, you know, you don't want to be walking down a runway with scabby knees and stuff. So they will use that stuff. The other thing, there's this stuff called Bag Balm. Uh, that's um, also a, a skin moisturizer. And then the most extreme of them all is uh, a thing that you can buy at Amazon. You can go to stuff.drsteve.com if you want to, and it's called Lanolor. It's L-A-N-O-L-O-R. And it's pure lanolin cream. And uh, lanolin, not for vegans, because I believe it's sheep-derived, um, but it is an incredible... Uh, skin moisturizer and softener and you can use it, it like if you have the those fingers and they crack and stuff we used to give people lanolor and it was the, they'd say it was the only thing that ever helped them so you can try that and uh, if none of that works then see a dermatologist because you may actually have a condition you know it's not impossible that what you're describing is actually psoriasis okay all right very good um i want to oh yeah um let's do this one Joe, I got a question for you. I ask a lot of people this, and most of them say they hate the idea, but only a southern woman would appreciate this. What would you think about a sandwich made out of white wonder bread with mayonnaise and, and pepper and fried chicken skin? <laughs> do you think that that would be delicious, and do you think that it would have any nutritional value? I mean, you Give got all the food with it. <laughs> fried chicken skin sandwich. Mm. <laughs> all right, very good. A fried chicken skin sandwich. So um, you would have to fry the bread for me to touch Wonder Bread, though, because I'm not touching that stuff. We used to call that robot death bread back in the day so i got out of uh, that in college and never gone back but there are fans of wonder bread so i went to very well oh, what is this um website verywellfit.com and they have a nutrition calculator so you could put a recipe in and it will print you out one of those nutritional labels like you see on food right so i put in two pieces of white bread one tablespoon of mayonnaise and then I couldn't find fried chicken skin, so I used bacon. So uh, two strips of bacon. Um, so it's not perfect, but uh, okay. So one serving of this is 370 calories. It's not the worst. Total fat is 29 grams, which would be 37% of your average daily. And I would say chicken skin, particularly if you get several pieces of it, it's going to be more than two. Let's uh, multiply that times two. Saturated fat, 5.5 grams, is 20, 28% of your average daily value. So if you eat three meals a day, you're getting a third. Uh, sodium, 24%. Let me hit the, uh, had to hit the old cough button there, sorry. Uh, 26 grams of carbs, so obviously 
because of the Wonder Bread, this would not be good for a low-carb diet. Dietary fiber is zero, so this will not help your stools. Total sugar is four grams, not that bad. Let's get to the, um, to the nutritional value of it, though. Vitamin D, zero. Calcium, 23%. Iron, 8%, and potassium, 0 And I'll tell you this, there ain't no vitamin C in this either. So this, um, you know, for a treat, every once in a while, you could maybe have a chicken skin sandwich. Uh, when I eat at Kentucky Fried Kernel, I like nothing more than eating the skin off the original recipe. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, let's hit this one. Hey, Dr. Steve, what's going on, man? Uh, I just have a quick question for you. Long story short, um, I was over 350, 360 pounds, started doing keto, got down to about 270 in about six months. I uh, decided to join the local fire department. Uh, I'm in New York, so of course everything is volunteer. Um, I do have to take a drug test, and about four weeks ago, uh, I was still using the THC cartridges, and now that everyone's dying off that stuff, and the fact that the fire department, I stopped that Good. about four weeks, um, stopped off at Amazon and uh, bought some drug tests, and I'm still popping positive. So I don't know if you had any insight of how to clean the system out. I'm hearing chugging water. I'm hearing detox pills, and I'm hearing detox pills don't work. Uh, so curious as if you had any insight Give to help me to make sure meal. I could pass this thing as I've been clean, I've been mm. staying clean, but still yeah. popping positive. Okay. I know that. Oh. They said the bigger you are, the longer it can take because yep. uh, it's fat-soluble. Uh, so trying Give to lose the weight on top meal. of that, too, which is helping. But any inside would be great. Thanks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So THC is fat-soluble, <clears throat> fat which becomes a reservoir. So if And fat-soluble just means what it sounds like. It, it can be stored in fat cells and then re-released to the body uh, over time, which is why there is this real iniquity in drug testing in this country. <clears throat> I'll posit this to you again. Would you rather, as an employer, have an employee who is all coked up on Monday at work and had a negative drug test on Wednesday or someone that smoked pot on the weekend two weeks ago and stayed in the house and listened to music but was positive on their urine drug screen on Wednesday. This shit, there's, no, there's not justice in this. I think anyone, well, and, and the you can't, you got to pick one or the other. Um, I think uh, most people would choose to employ the person who smokes a little pot on the weekends rather than the one that was coked up at work and had a negative. But that's the way it would go, or it could go that way. Um. So, because uh, cocaine is out of your system a lot quicker than uh, than THC is. Now, I'm concerned that the urine drug screens that you're using, I mean, I, I know they don't sell joke urine drug screens, but you may just go grab a different one at CVS or something and just see. Uh, those are not as sensitive, by the way, as the ones that they will use at work. And there's cross-reactivity and other things, and they're not perfect. So get a different brand and see, because really, after 30 days, you should be below the threshold of detectability, uh, even if you are a chronic heavy user. So, so if you use once, 
it might be out of your system in a week. If you're using it three times a week, uh, it might be two to three weeks. And if you're a chronic heavy user, everyday user, it can take 30 days, maybe six weeks. And uh, they're getting more and more sensitive. And let me tell you something about these accelerants or things to accelerate the clearance. You can't, it doesn't work. Okay, you could drink a lot of water, but remember this stuff isn't water-soluble, it's fat-soluble. And uh, uh, so that's not going to help you very much. Uh, they do say, you know, void your bladder right before you go in and drink some water. Now, what they're looking for, though, they're not stupid, okay? The people who are testing you listen to the same podcast you're listening to, at least some of them do, and they have access to the same information on the Internet that you do. So what do they do? They can test for golden seal because that's out there. That golden seal uh, will help clear. So they'll test for that. If you if you put test positive for that, um, that's a red flag to them that you're trying to to get out of. Um, uh, you're you know trying to accelerate the clearance of drugs from your system. Niacin's another one that I've seen. They can test you for that as well. <clears throat> so be cognizant that these things that you're taking. To clear, and they'll look for hyperdiluted urine as well. You know, when people have just drank um, a gallon of water before they went in, don't do that. We already know from the uh, uh, water challenge that that's dangerous. So don't drink so much water that you're going to make yourself sick. So, um, uh, but after, you know, 30 to 60, well, 30 days to 45 days, you should be clean if you were a chronic user of vape pens. And Remember that the THC in those things is very potent, and therefore it's going to hang around longer. And if you, yeah, you're, just like you said, if you're a big dude, it's going to last a little bit longer. So um, just give it some more time. Go get a different brand of urine drug test and do it. And then if it turns out to be positive and they give you a hard time, you can always say, well, that's not possible. Don't say any more than that. Don't lie. Just say, oh, that's not possible. We've got to test me again. And you may fall under the threshold at that point, particularly if you are very low. Uh, let me through while we're talking about this, there are employers out there that say, look, you can use all the CBD you want because it's legal if it's hemp derived. But if you test positive for THC, we're going to fire you anyway. Uh, some of the TH or the um, uh, CBD oil out there it will it should have no more than 0.3% THC in it. So it's like men have a lot of testosterone, a little bit of estrogen. Females have a lot of estrogen, a little bit of testosterone. Um, uh, you know, cannabis sativa plants or pot plants have a lot of um, uh, THC and a little bit of CBD, and the converse is true for hemp plants. So uh, the FDA has said that some of the CBD that you're buying from maybe some of the more fly-by-night places may have more THC in it than they're allowing, and they, they can yank it from the market if they see it. But if you've got it on your shelf and you're taking it and you test positive at work and they have a zero-tolerance policy and they don't give a shit whether you're taking CBD or not, you just they just know you tested positive for THC, that's going to be a problem for you. Now, the answer for that is to find someone that um, has uh, seen the data on the on the CBD oil that they're selling. And this will normally be in a pharmacy. So I have a friend who um, is in the business of making CBD oil. And I've seen their data. I mean, they send it off to be analyzed, and you can see it. And when it comes back, then they can dilute it 
to uh, using uh, MCT oil is what they use is medium chain triglyceride oil to uh, dilute it to whatever concentration they want. So if their oil that they press or isolate uh, has 2,000 milligrams per ml, then they can dilute it to 1,000 and 500, 250, 125 and sell those things uh, separately. And you can look at the the GC mass spec and it will tell you exactly how much CBD is in there, how much other things, how much THC is there. So you want to be able to see that or at least be able to trust that the person that you're dealing with has seen it and knows that what you're getting is not going to get you in trouble at work. Okay. So uh, do that. And uh, very important because I don't want you guys to get in trouble because, you know, CBD oil has a lot of interesting um, uh, salutary effects for different things including preventing seizures in kids with refractory seizures, um, decent for uh, sleep, decent for anxiety. Um, I am a, I'm a, I'm a fan, but you gotta get the right stuff. And when you're buying it from, I don't know, some fly-by-night place, and you know what they are, and you know who you are, uh, be, be careful because uh, it, and they may be perfectly honest, but whoever is selling to them is not. So uh, you want to vet your supplier until this stuff gets regulated a little bit more. All right. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for being with us this week. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Tepp, Lewis Johnson. Paul Charsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fizz Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand another time at uh, Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy and go to our website, at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.